Hey everyone, welcome to the Crypto Unstacked podcast, where we cover everything from crypto finance to global macro. I'm your host, Leslie Lamb. This week, I chat with my good friend, Tom Yi, founder of Kenose Ventures. Kenose are crypto-native NFT collectors who have invested in over 200 pieces from artists all around the world, including early works from Beeple. Prior to Kenose, Tom worked as an investment professional for more than six years. In this episode, we discuss why Kenose and Amber Group partnered to found the CreatorFi movement, and you'll hear Tom share his tips on personal finance and crypto finance topics, and why creators should prioritize financial planning in their NFT journey. It was a really fun time recording with Tom, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hey, Tom, welcome to the show. I am super excited today to have you on to talk about CreatorFi and how we came up with this idea together. And of course, to talk about your experience and insights of the space as an NFT collector. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Leslie. Great to be here. Tom, you and I have known each other for a really long time now, right? It's been about a decade. <laughs> yeah, decade. Wow. So, wow. I don't think I ever knew that you were interested in crypto, at least not not in college. Um, but I'm glad we sort of brought you over to the crypto side over the past <laughs> few years. I know you've done some investing on your own and more recently into NFTs. So would love to just understand your origin story as an NFT collector and what got you interested in this space. I first heard about Bitcoin through Leslie. So back in... Um when we were in school. That was in 2013 or 14, maybe, and I completely dismissed it. And obviously that was one of the biggest mistakes that I probably made. But obviously I kind of um, circled back into the space with 2017 boom, um, some trades between taking advantage of kimchi premium in Korea, you know, that 20%, uh, that was exciting. Did some of that with friends and kind of um, cooled off on crypto a little bit, but always kind of had some some money in it. Kind of start to hear about these DeFi type stuff. You know, I have these, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum. And while I hold these, I wanted to see if there was something more that I could do. Like, so one of the things that I saw was on DYDX, you know, you could put Ethereum on there, you know, take out stablecoin out, and then you can put it on one of the platforms and earn some yields. And that's sort of how I started. And I was there since day one of, you know, comp farming to, you know, entire DeFi summer that led to some of the NFT boom afterwards. And, but you know, for me as a journey into the NFTs really kind of started off uh, in the December of 2020 when uh, the sort of infamous 2020 people uh, auction on Nifty Gateway. I always kind of had interest in art. I love going to museums, galleries, you know, looking at art, not that I have much background or studied art, but it's just some area that I always interested but never bought an art before. So the first art I guess I ever bought was um, Beeple's Infected. <laughs> That's a Pikachu one. That was one of the three open editions that he released in that auction. Um, so that was the first art I ever bought. So in that sense, I guess I, guess I am a crypto native art collector. <laughs> yeah, so that started. And the, I guess what kind of intrigued me was the one-on-one auction that followed the days after that. I had no idea about kind of how NFTs really worked. But um, as these one-on-one auction prices kind of went up really, really higher than what I expected. I mean, they had some really cool stuff. Like there was Elon Musk featured one. There was some 
you know, the first Game Boy ones. Yeah, really cool stuff. And I was kind of thinking, you know, maybe I can bid like 10 to 15K max for one of these. And it started going for like 7,500, you know, all <laughs> higher. And then that kind of asked me questions like, why are people, you know, aping in this hard into these stuff? And that kind of made me do the research on really understanding what NFTs are enabling. Like, why are people so excited about this? And that kind of um, kicked my journey off as a collector in the NFT space. So were you drawn to Infected because of people and you knew about him as an artist? Or were you drawn to it more because of just happened to be Pikachu, which you love? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's kind of funny. So my brother, Matt, um, he kind of started collecting these um, crypto art or art in general before I started a few months before. And one day he just kind of came to me and was like, Tom, you know, look at this job. It's kind of looks interesting. Like uh, this artist named Beeple has like 1 million followers on Instagram, right? So it's like, oh, maybe we should, you know, buy some, you know, one of these stuff. And then out of the three, you know, one was the bull run is featured like that um, Bitcoin bull kind of feature when the other one had an Ethereum uh, featured one. But out of those, I li- I just like Pikachu most. <laughs> so that's why I kind of bought that one without much thinking about it. So I bought one and then I actually bought another one because I just liked it. And that was the lowest minted out of the, all the three open editions. So you have two editions of, of this infected. Yes. And then actually the day after, like, so these were going for 969 on the day of the first day of the auction, uh, when this five minute open edition. So you could only mint these in first five minutes. And the next day these start to go for like, like $3,000, $4,000 and some, I, was, I wasn't expecting any of that. I just kind of bought it because I liked it, but I kind of saw that there was a potential in it. So I kind of bought the top 10, uh, one of the top 10 mints of the another Pikachu. So I own actually three of them, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, it's kind of interesting because I really didn't know the artist to start with, but it was just something that I thought it was cool. And I just wanted to have one. And what was really interesting about this particular one was that there was a physical um, framing and the box or entire set that kind of came along with the purchase of these open editions, which I thought was really cool. Just connecting the dots between the physical world and also digital ownership was intriguing. I want to talk about your experience as a collector and how you came up with the idea of Kenose Ventures with your brother, Matt, because it's a it's really a full time job, I think, to continue surveying the lay of the land. Right. What NFT is worth investing in. But I think more importantly, building relationships with artists that you're inspired by, artists that you you know really like building that relationship and continuing to support them as they put out more work. As a collector, it's you're, you're not just seeing the art as an investment. For a lot of people, it's truly a new way to express digital connection with people you've never met before. So let's talk about the inspiration behind Kanose, what that name means, actually, and where you are looking to take Kanose in the future. Yes, so uh, Kanose is a Japanese word, and it means possibility. So Matt and I thought it was a great way to sort of represent the endless human creativity and at the same time capture the big opportunity set that we saw in the Web3 space. 
at Kanose, uh, we're investing in NFTs, DAOs, and DeFi protocols that are unlocking the productivity layer in digital media and financial assets. On the NFT art side, uh, we have acquired over uh, 200 NFT artworks from you know emerging to you know more established artists, and we continue to look to allocate our capital into creators who we see potential in. Uh, other than artworks, uh, we're exploring the metaverse, music, uh, virtual land, gaming assets, and also we think that DeFi and NFT, you know, that cross section can be really interesting. And I think some of the interesting developments will take place in the very near future. So we're spending some time there. You know, now kind of thinking beyond the investing side at Kanose, we're very interested in um, working to advance the space by you know empowering the creative community here. And this is sort of where Creatorify comes in. You know, as a collector, you know, I speak to a bunch of um, creators that are out there, and I notice quite a bit of interest in money management, personal finance topics. But, you know, oftentimes, you know, a lot of creators out there who are very focused on, you know, their work process, their workflows, you know, try to think about what project to do next. And also thinking about like, oh, what should I mint next to sell my artwork? You know, these are all great, but they forget to um, think about the business and, you know, finance side of the things. You know, art is great, but, you know, creators need to be able to sustain themselves and, you know, cover their expenses and really make a living out of this and eventually be able to, you know, retire with some wealth that they have accumulated over the years. But this is not really possible without thinking and planning ahead. So, you know, Leslie and I um, felt that, you know, bringing this money conversation forward was really, really important. And I you know, hope that the discussions that we do here and topics that we cover are, you know, useful for you. And I'll also, also just say this, you know, like finance, you know, money management, your wealth building, and all those stuff, you know, can sound really scary, confusing, complicated. You know, maybe you just don't want to think about any of these, but it doesn't have to be that way. It's just really about taking one step at a time, learning, learning one thing at a time and making small changes at a time. And I think we'll go very far. This is sort of a tough love for um, creators out there who are trying to avoid this topic or try not to think about this. It's like eating vegetables, I think, you know, for those who you don't like vegetables out there, you know, it's good for you, but you don't want to eat it, but you have to eat it. So that's kind of what Creatorify is about. Um, we want to create discussions and you know, conversation around money and hopefully some of these information and topics that we cover are useful for creators who are listening. There is a perception that the underlying asset can only be art, that this space is only for artists who are coming from either the digital art space or traditional fine art and that it's a very small community. But I think as we've continued to just like chat about CreatorFi, right? Chat about the audience that we want to speak to, we realize that really anyone who considers themselves a creator, a content creator, um, whatever medium that they use, they can leverage NFTs in more ways than just seeing it as a minting tool, right? You know, a lot of people say that NFTs are dead now. You know, activity has come down from the highs of 200 million, for example, across a lot of these 
Ethereum-based NFT platforms down to, I just checked on crypto art, like $12 million for this month um, so far. So sure, activity has died down, but the implementations of NFT tech uh, really go far beyond just the minting aspect, right? So talk about some things that you're thinking about there. I actually think that a lot of aspects, you know, we talk about NFT as equivalent as, you know, quote unquote, crypto art. But I think that narrative is very much confirmed by even traditional institutions like Sotheby's, Christie's, quickly entering, you know, digital art space. It's just a proof that this technology is something that is just different than compared to what it has been. You know, you hear about Instagram entering, you hear about, um, like Times coming out and minting NFTs and CNN just announced that they'll mint some of the collectibles that from, you know, their f- photographies or historical moments that they have captured over the last, you know, 40 years. So I think we have a confirmation that the art side of the things and collectible side of things, this technology is going to work. But NFTs are much more than what art or collectible is, is really, it's fundamentally a token, right? And then it enables like gaming assets, and also like metaverse and also social tokens and DAOs. And there are a bunch of other um, avenues that this technology sort of enables. NFTs are able to unlock value in assets that otherwise in the real world can be considered very illiquid assets you can't do much with, or in the digital space be considered uh, idle assets, right? You invest in something, but it's just a digital form and that really can't be used for anything other than being sold to someone else and you potentially earning a profit on that item, right? So talk about some of the other ways that you've been thinking about NFTs being able to unlock the value of these type of assets. If we think about a lot of um, traditionally illiquid assets like, like real estate, even art, as an obvious, like collectibles or something that is, you just cannot like sell easily, right? It's like, and then eBay has been sort of where you go find all these like weird type of collectibles and you buy it there. But NFTs kind of, uh, not only you kind of divide up the ownership, meaning you can fractionalize ownership, meaning that let's say one real estate can be owned by a hundred people instead of just one person buying the entire thing. And by tokenizing it, it's easy to transfer P2P and also um, there's a more flexibility in what you can really do and achieve when you are able to tokenize an asset and that can be asset that can be moved around very easily. And for example, um, so this is sort of went where the financial applications crosses the NFT, I think. Um, I think we are in the earlier stage of where DeFi sort of meets NFTs and NFTs can... You know, NFTs are fundamentally, there's a value, right? Like, let's say that um, people's, you know, B20 token is a good example, right? That token is backing 20 arts that are collected from the, the 2020 people collections. And on top of that, you get the, you know, three museums or plus the land uh, in Decentraland, you know, CryptoVoxel and Somnium space. You know, there's a real value behind those tokens. And once you enable the tokenization of those assets to be liquid, you can use that as a collateral to borrow other assets. So it's like similar to what we do in Compound or Av, where we put you know, the crypto 
tokens and then you borrow something else. And then that's kind of what starts to be enabled. And these assets that you could only go look at the art and enjoy turns into something more productive beyond that. That's where things get interesting. And I think that future is not too far away. Yeah, I, I really like this one piece that Lex Sokolin over at Consensus wrote about this exact point, right? The intersection between NFTs and decentralized finance and the merging of the art world really with emerging financial systems. What's really unique, I think, is the way that you can think about, I guess, from a collector's point of view, art as part of your portfolio, either it be your digital portfolio, which includes crypto, or you look at it on the whole basis of traditional investments that you might uh, have already made, including crypto as well, and trying to figure out what within your portfolio isn't doing much for you, right? And 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 that's what a lot of crypto people, I think, have a quip about. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't just want to have their assets sitting in a vault in some mountain, even if that might be the safest thing to do. The opportunity cost of not being able to do anything with your assets, I feel like is so high mm-hmm. uh, in, in crypto, right? We talk about yield opportunities and it can get very complex as you kind of alluded to earlier with potentially DeFi farming things that you've been involved in. But even just putting that whole ecosystem aside, there are very, very easy things that we can do with basic things like crypto dollars, right? USD stablecoins, for example, and earning yield on your cash or putting your Bitcoin and Ethereum uh, to work, meaning you lend it out to a platform uh, so that you can take out a loan and fund a business, right? Um, and and so that's like where this whole idea around uh, creator capital allocation kind of came into play, where we've been thinking a lot about how creators can look at and plan for really their future Um, by being involved in the NFT and crypto space more broadly. So let's talk a bit about creator capital allocation. What are some things that a new creator, thinking about their finances, what can they do with proceeds from a potential sale? This actually capital allocation question um, is kind of based on my um, work experience in, in the investment world. Or traditionally, um, from a, like a business standpoint, you know, one once a business generates a profit, there's about like three things you can do. Like the first thing is can you, you can reinvest in the business, so you could that's like R and D or capital expenditure to expand your business, or you can if you have a debt in your, your company, you can pay that pay, pay that down, or three is you can kind of pay out to the shareholders. But if we kind of think about from creators' perspective. Once you make money, you know, you pay your taxes, right? And then after that, you can reinvest into some of the more experimental things. If you have a budget for, uh, if you have debt, you should pay that down. Or, you know, if you need to cover some of your bills with some of the NFT sales, those are also a consideration. And what about those who want to do something with their crypto, right? Let's call it half of the people or a majority of creators say, hey, look, 
I'm just looking at NFTs as an additional income stream. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be part of this speculative game. Whatever crypto I earn, let's call it because their work is denominated in ETH, for example. Right. Whatever crypto I earn, I'm going to convert that into cash immediately. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's assume there's a part of the, you know, creator ecosystem that thinks that way. I imagine that there's also a subset of creators who actually are invested in wanting to learn about crypto and using NFTs as an opportunity to uh, get educated about what this whole Web3 financial system can do for them, right? That they can't really get access to in traditional finance. And so assuming that, let's say, these guys use a bit of the proceeds to pay down some expenses and they have some crypto left and they want to start a crypto portfolio, what are some things that they can do that is just like 101 level right now? So I think the way you should think about it is obviously um, you want to cover your expenses, right? At least pay down whatever bills that you have to pay every month. But beyond that, if you're interested in, you know, getting into crypto, I guess the first question you should ask is, let's say your your proceed is in Ether, Tezos, right? Those two platforms are what is popular at the moment. The question is, like, do you want to take the market risk? I think that's the first question you should think about, meaning that these assets move, prices move up and down, right? And at times, uh, quite violently, either up or down. So you need to be aware of that risk. These assets are not steady. So... If you have an appetite for that, that's a one route. And then if you don't, you will sell it into either um, fiat cash or you could consider uh, crypto dollars or crypto stable coins. So stable coins are, if you're not know what they are, they're sort of one-to-one peg to um, US dollars. And they're generally backed by cash in a bank account, whoever issues those tokens or, you know, collaterals in uh, some protocol, they're over collateralized. So there's more value than how much um, stable coins that are issued. Um, so, but what is interesting about stable coins is that you can do a lot of stuff with them. Um, what I mean by that is that, you know, stable coin might be thinking, you know, cash, right? I mean, they're pretty much like cash, but if you put your cash in a bank account, right? I mean, I don't think you're not going to get anything even close to 1% given the current rate environment. But what's fun in the crypto is that you can get like double digits return on your cash. And that's pretty crazy in terms of traditional finance because like the best stock market in the world, you know, the S&P 500 historically has done that, you know, eight to 10% annualized um, return, depending on when you start. When you invest in the stock market, right, you're taking the, that market risk, you're that price risk, the, you know, things move up and down. Some years you'll be down, some years you're up, but overall you'll be making 8 to 10%. So, you know, stable coins, you're not taking any market risk. Um, so prices tend to be very, tend to be quite stable. And your earning double digit is, is really mind-blowing in terms of the people who live in that traditional financial world. These are the opportunities that... Are present and some of the more centralized platforms offer that you know four to sixteen percent. But if you are willing to explore into more you know DeFi type platforms, you could go as high as unbelievable amounts of um, yield, but those come at risk. 
But some of the safer ones, you can easily sort of earn 10 to like 15 to 20% at the moment. So the risk reward to me sounds really interesting based on what other way you can um, allocate your cash. And just as a kind of a wealth management point that I want to make is you got to make your assets work for you, right? I mean, in order to get wealthy, you have to spend other people's time to build your wealth. And that's kind of like what owning a stock means because you're owning an ownership of what the future of all these industries and companies are. And you're taking a piece of that. And then that's how you build it, right? Like all the wealthy people have financial assets and you can never really become by just working hard by yourself, spending your time. So if your plan is to um, achieve financial freedom and retire early, then I recommend you to start thinking about compounding your capital, compounding your financial assets, and think about what is really best way to allocate. I love that. I don't know how we've never spoken about that before, but I love that framing that you have to be spending other people's time, uh, which means you have to understand valuable industries, sustainable industries uh, that won't just go away at the next financial crisis, but have built a sustainable future to withstand headwind right to the industry um, because the product or the service that is being created brings value to the world, basically, right? Mm-hmm. It's pretty interesting because like, I think Chamath did speak to this often and I, I resonated a lot with him. It's like this, I think the financial education is really lacking. Not just, bec- just not just saying this because it's for the sake of saying it, but it's like, I think people don't understand why they need to invest. And then I un- also mm-hmm. understand that there are population that don't have a capacity to allocate beyond to cover whatever you know, eating and, you know, try to have a home to stay in, you know, be in a safe environment. Those are all important for sure. But they just never took a piece of the growth of, I mean, if you pick U.S., the growth of America for the last decades, right? I mean, there has been some incredible developments, technological developments and achievements and all took place, but they never took a piece of that because they never had a stake in that future. Right. So they always did their work. They they went to nine to five job for until they retire and did all the right stuff. Right. But they ended up having issues with not having enough money to cover their medical bills when they get older. And those things are really unfortunate. And I think it just really comes from the lack of realization of what the importance of taking a piece of what future could be and what that becomes. And you just cannot dismiss the power of compounding over 40, 50 years. And that's just so powerful that um, you should always think about that. Do you think that most people view investing as a luxury and they view whatever that they don't need in the form of income to pay expenses, like whatever is left over Maybe I'll think about investing as opposed to let's have a look at my assets and my liabilities and figure out a way uh, not to cut down expenses, but to grow wealth. Some people think of growing wealth as, oh, we just need to cut down what we don't need in life early on so that we make sure that we have 
enough in the form of, let's call it discretionary income. And we figure out, you know, how to earn more at work, right? Or get more revenue streams and grow my wealth that way. And then there's other way of thinking about it, which is my expenses are my expenses, you know, within reason, right? Not overspending and spending what you don't have and kind of extending, you know, credit, but saying, let's not focus so much on minimizing expenses, rather focus on how to, as you say, compound my investments, figure out what works based on my risk tolerance, my liquidity preference, right? Based on what I'm interested in, perhaps companies that you like and kind of figuring out a financial plan with what you have already and not what you might earn in the future. And I really do think that's what crypto enables you to do because it's not like you have you need a minimum in order to open up an account uh, with a DeFi platform, right? There isn't anything like that. No one is checking how old you are necessarily unless you do have to go through KYC. Um, but there are several places that you can go as, you know, as even a, a young high schooler to take your words, make your assets work for you at all points in your life, right? That's right. So it used to be that if you got educated, you know, found a job and worked hard and saved diligently, you were able to, you know, own homes and eventually retire with some reasonable comfort. But this is no longer true or a lot more challenging, I would say. It's because, you know, over the last you know, few decades, you know, home prices continue to march up. Cost of education just gets more and more expensive. But, you know, the wage growth has been pretty stagnant if you look at the data. And on top of that, you know, just saving alone is just not enough anymore, right? Because our earlier generation was able to earn like 6% on their, you know, CDs and we're in an environment where we're not even getting like 1% out of those products. All they had to do was save diligently in their bank and they got the returns, but we're not no longer getting that. So we have to look for something that is beyond, right? Like something that is more than 0.5% a year to, you know, really get us there. Otherwise, we're just not going to make it, right? So I think that's why stock market is interesting. And that's why may, perhaps maybe, you know, other than the meme factor, that we're in a way realizing that we need to deploy our capital and allocate our capital to something that is earning more than whatever our bank is offering. And that is true. And this is sort of where also kind of crypto comes in and why I find uh, this opportunity very interesting. can sound cheesy, but I almost, almost want to call this sort of generational opportunity to um, make a difference. Some of the benchmark returns that I want to talk about, and I alluded to it earlier, is you know S and P five hundred has done about eight to ten percent a year historically. If we look at example of success financially, is Warren Buffett, right? I mean, he has done twenty percent a year for sixty years, and if you do that, you can become a billionaire, right? Twenty percent is something that is like very, very, very good. And that's 40 times more than 0.5%. So it's like, it's almost like you're in one year. If you earn 20%, it's like 40 years worth of returns all coming in a single year. So that's pretty crazy, right? And that 40 years, like, 
in a way, you kind of save that much time, right? Instead of putting your money in a bank, you save 40 years. And what's important about that is once you compound your capital at in a higher rate like that, that means that you're, you will achieve financial freedom earlier on. And what that enables you to do is you don't have to do work that you don't want to do. You can do something that inspires you or something that you always want to try, right? Or experiment. Compounding earlier on buys you time to do things that are different. And coming back to, um, you know, cryptos, DeFi, you know, that 10 to 30% is also just not going to be here continuously. Meaning, you know, by the time we enter the next cycle, it will be a lot lower as, you know, institutional capital gets more comfortable with crypto and, you know, this entire asset class. So there'll be more money. So rates will be more quote unquote normalized. So it'll be lower, um, you know, it'll, but it will be still be higher than, you know, stock market because people will view it as more frontier, you know, earlier tech risk and all those other aspects. So I, I think the time to learn about crypto and DeFi is now, right? It's now when there's an opportunity that we can pursue. And there are a lot of resources that you can, it's really at the end of, you, at a click of a finger, right? You can go on Twitter and a lot of people, a lot of smart people share their views of the world there, you know, at a free of a cost, really. And there are a lot of, you know, medium posts, blog posts, and podcasts. And especially like, you know, Leslie's Pots is great. You should definitely listen to every episode that's out there. And so there's just a lot of resources. And and you have to use use the product. And that's just how you learn in the space. There's no textbook, right? You just learn as you go. And it's exciting. It's very intellectually stimulating, I think, that the concepts and things that are getting built here. And crypto Twitter is absolutely fun. Um, these are really, really funny people. I think it's probably the funniest place on earth. A lot of jokes, a lot of memes, a lot of good times. So um, I encourage a lot of people who are interested in uh, building their wealth and achieving financial freedom to uh, spend some time, learn about what DeFi is all about, what crypto is all about, and really pursue this opportunity that we have. I love it. All right, let's talk about CreatorFi. Um, a lot of what we've been saying, I think, builds up to this narrative really nicely, actually. Um, and really, the mission around CreatorFi is what? It's to empower creators to plan and thrive, right, in their NFT journey. And putting financial planning is sort of at the center of that conversation so that these creators feel equipped um, to, you know, be successful, right, with their finances. And again, none of this is financial advice, but I think what we can offer as participants in this space, right, people who didn't just join last week, but, you know, you and I have been in this space for a little while now, is to offer up our observations and to say, hey, look, we filtered through our own journey, but also looking at the pool of creators out there. And we've realized what the gaps are in this broader NFT conversation, which is that everyone focuses on 
the tools and the platforms and how you do this and how you do that. And not so much on the financial aspect of things, which really, I think, enables you to plan all of this stuff that you really need to think about as you start your NFT journey. You know, a lot of artists actually enter and sell their first work and they're, they have ETH and they're like, so what is this ETH thing? I mean, I can sell it back to, you know, dollars or cash, but like, I don't know what this is. So like a lot of people actually enter the space just for the sake of art and try to sell their work, not really understanding crypto. Actually, if we just kind of look at the big picture, the creator side of the economy has been prospering with internet, but that is also, always has been a career that's just challenging, right? It's hard to make money. Like my parents would get upset if I was some kind of creator after college. They're like, oh, don't do that. You know, <laughs> like you're not allowed to do that, you know, all that. So it, it has that stereotype of, you know, artist, poor artist, right? That's like the image that we have in our head and still is true in many ways. And so I think that's why, you know, traditional institutions sort of overlook that group of people to really educate them and talk about money because there was never uh, abundance of capital to, you know, for them to earn a fee off of it, really. So I think this is a time for us to start this conversation as NFTs hopefully will enable more artists to make a living out of it and, you know, make being a creator a real career path that can be available for anyone who decides to pursue that. And I think also what's, I guess, misperception about NFTs is because like we hear about like people selling his work for $69 million or he's making so much money. But the tr truth of the matter is like NFT is probably not going to make every single artist rich. I think being on artists will still be very competitive job and mm -hmm. you have to be good at it. So let's say we had 100 artists, but pre-NFTs, maybe we had 10 people who were able to make a living out of it. But I think what NFT enables is that maybe we can make that 10 people, 15 people, maybe 20, but we're, we're, we're still going to have hungry artists. But I think that's what's exciting about NFT is that we're really enabling different tech on the digital side to um, make this, this, this creative economy a, a real thing and put more capital or money back to people who created it instead mm -hmm. of, you know, middlemen's like, Instagram or other Web2 platforms that sort of aggregate all these and distribute it and you know, advertisers will come on because there are people, but people come on because there's content, right? So at the center of all these platforms is really the creators who are driving these. And once we sort of redistribute that you know, wealth back to creators, I think we can make this creator as a career path more sustainable. And I think that's what's really exciting about this tech. Yeah, so we talked about NFTs being a part of this tokenization of everything trend that's going on, turning idle assets into productive assets. We've talked a bit about how we're in the midst of a growing ownership economy, right? Redistributing a lot of the value that was captured by Web 2.0 companies to the hands of more people as people figure out ways to get more ownership over their work and assets. And then, of course, we're seeing this paradigm shift of us going more digital, right? And I think what we're getting at now with just your last point is the financialization of 
internet culture, which then demonstrates just this massive, massive potential for creators in this new creator economy to capture value. And that, I think, is really, really underestimated by mainstream media because media just likes to focus on what? What is dead? What is alive? What is hot? Right. Um, They focus on the what, like the asset that's being NFT'd, not about what NFTs truly enable because of all of these underlying global trends that are happening. Right. NFTs didn't just pop out of nowhere. It's been around for a while. But I think the reason why it's taking off right now is because we're seeing the convergence of just a bunch of things working. Uh, a more connected society, despite being distributed all over the world and feeling disconnected by not being able to see people in person, right? In some ways, having been in crypto, especially this past year, year and a half, has made things feel like we are a closer, tight-knit community than we've ever been before. And I feel like the NFT community feels even more like that, like, magnified, you know, 20 times, 30 times. I mean, do you feel that way, right? Like in terms of how, uh, like how your conversations with artists or other collectors go or platforms, like, do you feel that way in the NFT community? Just like everyone seems like they know each other, even though perhaps you guys never met before. So one of the funny things is, um, is one, so one of the artists actually was like, he's more of a traditional artist, meaning that he already kind of built his career um, before kind of tap dipping his toe into NFTs. But he was like, how come all these people are like tagging other artists? Like he, he was like, that's so weird. Like in, cause, cause in traditional art, apparently it's really competitive and it's cutthroat. You don't support other people. You don't like try to help other people. And he, he just kind of felt it was like, this is a weird <laughs> environment. So I think, but that's kind of sort of the exciting um, ethos of crypto is like you support other people. Um, we're all in this together. We're all early, right? I mean, we're, we're just at the beginning, like first or second inning of this entire, um, you know, media and culture become digitalized and able to be you know, owned and collected and shared and all those. So yeah, th- there's definitely this like community of support. Um, there are a lot of exciting things like you know, Seven Grants is an interesting uh, foundation where they try to um, they take submissions and they um, try to do these auctions where uh, they try to bring out more emerging artists. And there's a lot of efforts where, um, you know, there has been a lot of money made in crypto. So people are pretty generous. And there are a lot of efforts to like give back and try to help and you know, people, you know, it's, it's good. And it will, you'll feel comfortable. And if you DM, a lot of people respond. If you ask questions, a lot of people are help try to help you. So it's, it'd be a fun community and probably a lot different than, you know, as a creator, what pro- you probably have experienced. And it's, it's a little bit off topic in ways, but I just want to touch this point. Um, you know, as we talked about NFT is, it's more than art, right? And then I think a lot of creators enter to sell whatever they create. That could be art, that could be um, music or any other forms of creations. And 
there are other tools in crypto where you can utilize like because like actually Matt and I were just kind of thinking about like like how can we broaden number of people who can make more money who are like not even well known right you don't have to be people to make it like how do we expand the base of creatives who can survive through nfts and one of the ideas that we had was what if you created a DAO among like 20 small artists or 10 small artists and you can kind of pull together your resources and you can you could be able to do client work together or you can kind of promote the group as together so whoever is not i mean for you guys who are not in, who are not familiar with what DAOs are that DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization so it's just pretty much a group of people who get together for similar goals, right? It could be it could be really anything. They're you know collectives where they get together to collect art, and they're collectives to do DeFi stuff together, and it, it could be anything really. And what if like smaller artists got together and try to brand that DAO, and you could do work for clients, or you could sell artwork, and you could share revenues, and all those things are possible through smart contracts and all these applications that are out there. And I think I think we're short-sighted by just try to sell art. But there are so many different tools that you can get creative and try to um, make more things work. And I think this DAO concept, I don't think anyone has sort of tried and would love to see if there are groups that wanted to try this out. But like these kind of ideas like could make things more sustainable and and more interesting and I mean, everyone is here to experiment, right? We're so early and there's so much things you could do. So yeah, I, I encourage everyone to dig deep, go deep, do your research, try different things. And it's, it's really more than that. And then it's also a way for you to build experience with your supporters, right? Like NFT is a token. It could be an access point for anything. It could be a ticket for your ex exhibition or it could be a ticket to your concert, or it could be a ticket to get into the DAO that you're creating to support you. And one of the interesting concepts that I've heard is like, let's say you have minted an open edition and 100 people own it, and that's ticket to your DAO. And within the DAO, let's say there's a next project that you want to work on, and you kind of talk about that with the group of supporters that you have. And maybe like 50 people want to support your next project, and they kind of crowdfund the capital for your next project, and then let's say you sell your artworks based on the project that you launched it, and then you share part of the profit back to people who supported it with you within the DAO. And that's kind of an interesting concept, right? That's like a new way to form a capital, support you, do new things, and kind of the share the profits, not from just you, but also share it back with the people who love you, who support you, who want to be part of the journey that you're going through. Yeah, you said a lot, a lot of truth there. You know, in this creator journey, right, it's not just about, OK, how do I get my work listed on a platform? How do I get accepted and then just make a bunch of money and peace? This journey, I don't want to say it has multiple steps because I don't think there is, you know, one thing that you have to start out with and follow by another thing. Um, but generally speaking, right, apart from doing your due diligence, as you say, doing your homework, there's this this whole uh, strategy really around how you share your narrative, right? How you market yourself as a creator, how you build up your fan base, 
how do you get loyal supporters who are going to be there with you on day one all the way until your 50th collection, right? Let's say we're talking 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there is the aspect of monetization, right? You got to sell your work in order to make money, in order to not only support yourself as an artist and be able to produce more work, but also be able to do things like supporting other artists, right? Um, So monetizing not just for yourself, but for the sake of building and growing a larger, more robust, more sustainable uh, creator economy. And I think a lot of these things run in parallel. And of course, as we've been talking about all the way up until now, there's a whole financial planning aspect to this narrative that really doesn't get talked about at all. Yeah. But everyone is thinking about that, right? All of the artists that you spoke to, Mm -hmm. even if they didn't offer any particular questions I bet once you started speaking to them about your thoughts on, you know, why creators should care about their finances, they go, oh, yeah, like that makes a whole ton of sense. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I think it's really important to plan ahead. Right. I mean, it's like I mean, I I don't want to beat the dead horse, but compounding is important. And then the key to compounders have a bigger capital base as early as possible. And that's how you make a compound in a way. Right. So. You can never plan ahead. And I guess one of the interesting things that I have kind of realized that, I mean, I, I didn't grow up in like very wealthy family, but what, what what I saw as I kind of saw these wealthier families, people who I worked with, is that the difference is really from day one in ways that these people created like a trust fund from the day that your child, their child is born. And there's already money in there compounding when the baby is can't even like crawl, you know, it's like it's like and then but you haven't even like thought about, you know, saving money and investing money since we're like usually after you graduate from you know school, you know, undergraduates and all that. Right. So we're already like 20, 25 years behind all those people who are already thinking ahead and the financial planning and thinking ahead can never be overemphasized. Like earlier you start, the better it is. And more you learn, better for you, right? And and I don't think there are people out there who wants to like achieve financial freedom later, right? I mean, we want to be financially independent as soon as possible, right? I don't think there's anyone who wants to, oh, I want to delay that 10 years. Like, I don't think so, right? So, so I think it's important to think ahead, right? And then a lot of you know things that are over also looked is that when you sell NFTs, there are you know tax implications, and you know not all proceeds that you get are actually your discretionary um, income, right? You have to, there are other fees and things that you have to worry about, and you know building your portfolio, and there I think there are a lot of opportunities in um, crypto where you could build a really interesting um, and different portfolio. And since we're kind of talking about portfolio, one thing I would just say is that, um, you know, a lot of financial advisors will tell you about, oh, you know, 80, 20, you know, equity, debt, portfolio or whatever. But I think if you're looking to be different, meaning that if you wanted to retire early or if there are goals that you want to achieve earlier on than other people, by definition, you have to do something different, right? Now you cannot do same, something similar to what everyone else is doing. I think 80-20 does work in some ways if you're planning to retire at 65 when other people are retiring. But if you want to retire at 40 or something or even earlier or 
in that time frame, I think you have your portfolio needs to be different. Otherwise, like how can you just retire early unless you're making like 10 times more than your friends or people around you? So I think being different can be difficult in ways because people are like, oh, like, what is that? Like, why are you doing that? But often it doesn't always succeed, right? At the same time. But I think you have to think differently and act differently and build your portfolio differently to be able to be successful earlier on or be different earlier on. And, and I think that's a key um, that we kind of forget. And then we kind of get comfortable with whatever we're given. Like, oh, just buy you know, S&P 500, you know, buy the index fund. But I mean, there are other better opportunities. I mean, stablecoin is a better opportunity, in my personal opinion, not financial advice, obviously. So, you know, explore. And this is very you know, open opportunity. I mean, all you need for crypto is internet. That's all you need to get started. And it has never been more democratizing with more access. Yeah. So you're never too late to learn and be part of this. Wise words, my friend. Anything else that our listeners should be aware of when it comes to CreatorFi, our mission, what we want our listeners to understand or creators out there who happen to be listeners of Crypto Unstacked, anything that they should know about in terms of what's coming up? I think um, you should really study like DeFi and <laughs> NFTs. I mean, I cannot overemphasize like it's so interesting. Like, I mean, you, if you if you're not even investing in it, you should you should learn about it for your intellectual curiosity. If you're if you're excited to learn about different things, like you know, DeFi is thought of as you know, it's it's really freeing the financial access. There are a lot of people who are unbanked in the world, and all of a sudden, if I have mobile phone or if you have internet with smartphones, then you can all of a sudden have a bank right? Through like Av or Compound or all these things where you can start earning money and all those. And, you know, not, a lot of other interesting stories like Axie, where people play that game in the Philippines as a means to earn their living, right? Like how crazy is that? You play games and you sell the tokens that you earn from the game and then you make a living out of it. Like that's like mind blowing. And that's like really cool stuff like that. I mean, it's just like, I think crypto enables so many different things. And and we also hear about a lot of, um, you know, privacy issues, surveillance, control over your assets. I mean, just kind of tracking back, but like the moment that I realized that DeFi is powerful, is it just really, it was really simple. Like, so one of my friend, um, good friend, and he was, I was kind of telling about DeFi and he was like, oh, uh, okay, so I want to try to put some money in and try to do this. And it was, it was on a Saturday. And he had a, he had his money in brokerage and his broker is like, oh, you have to wait until Monday. And, and then that's the moment, you know, like in crypto, you can move your asset any moment, 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days. Why do you have to wait for people to tell you what to do with the money that you made, right? It's just time that you spent, time that you grinded, time that you showed up in the morning to make it. I think it's just the moment that once you start to realize that, how much barriers and restrictions that are on the system that we have. There, there are a lot of aspects that are like kind of liberating to be part of um, permissionless, decentralized. You really manage what you own. Although there are a lot of risks, right? We're early. Um, so these are, these are interesting a- aspects. And you know, DeFi is a little bit ahead of where NFTs are, but NFTs are really picking up, right? This is the culture, like a doge. And... Memes are center of you know all the marketing, 
and it's redefining you know economics for creators and how we are going to interact going forward. And then I think there's a good reason why Instagram or all these big tech companies are interested, right? They're just interested for the tech. I don't think so. They're in it because they see that this going to be this has a potential to disrupt whatever they're doing. So they need to get ahead. So they don't they're not giving away part of the share that they already have control over. So it's it's pretty funny. And and then like another thing is like I also heard that um, Instagram was trying to get some creators who was already involved in NFTs to like do a, like a session with their like C suites and they're like oh if you do it we'll give you like like a thousand dollars or whatever and then. There was a tweet about it on crypto Twitter that, like, oh, yeah, they're trying to like bribe us $1,000 to just like show everything that we know about NFTs and so that they take <laughs> all our money back, you know, where we try to take their money to put in our pocket. So that was pretty interesting. Um, but I think, you know, Christie's and Sotheby's also realized that these digital art market space could be disruptive to their um, business model as well. So I think these, all the more legacy or players are realizing this early on, right, rightly, I think. So these are all great signs. So do your research, learn crypto, do DeFi, do NFTs, get involved. People are great. No better driver than the threat of disruption to get the interest going. It's a number one motivator, I think. And for those who want to learn more, that's why CreatorFi exists. We're going to be coming out with our first episode, which is just a short episode, uh, talking about the NFT creator journey and how we view financial planning. So if you have made it all the way till the end of this pod, then you will have already heard a lot of our thoughts, but that will be our first episode. And we hope to drop a lot more what we call reality checks in the coming weeks about different aspects of money management as it relates to both personal finance and crypto finance, and just to share some of this knowledge, you know, focusing on the creators, right? A lot of media focus on the collectors who are important because we need people to buy all this stuff, but I don't think there is enough of an emphasis helping potential creators and existing creators in the NFT space to understand how to better optimize their journey by actually planning, right? I think that is the key word that it all comes down to. You can never do too much planning, I think. Things don't always work out as planned, but it never hurts to know what to look out for, right? It never hurts to be aware of possibilities um, and go through your journey as a creator equipped with that knowledge. So yeah, I'm excited, Tom. I'm glad we had this discussion today to just kind of introduce what we're doing with Kenose, with our existing listeners. And if you want to tune into more stuff, check out our YouTube channel. That's where everything will be posted. So with that, Tom, thanks so much for your time today being on Crypto Unstacked. I'll see you at the Creator Pie episode. Yeah, absolutely. Super excited. Thanks, Leslie. The Crypto Unstacked podcast is meant for informational purposes only and should not be considered as financial or investment advice. Nothing expressed in this podcast should be construed as a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by Amber Group to buy or sell any financial products. 
information expressed by the host or guest in this podcast does not necessarily reflect the views of Amber Group. 